Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening well not much has happened since last week of course last week we recorded a whole show uh and within an hour the flyers announced the couturier extension so we had to reconvene and uh give you some thoughts on that we'll get more into that this week we have some other things the flyers announced they're going to be adding a member to the hall of fame uh, the Franchise Hall of Fame for the first time since 2016. We'll get into that. There was development camp. But first, as always, let's lead it off with the introductions. The fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I would just like everyone to know that I had to close my windows in order to record this podcast. And I'm suffering as a result. And you're welcome for the high quality audio that you're about to experience. Oh my god, your windows were opened? It's so nice out. Oh, that's awful. No. I love an open window. Never. I live an open window lifestyle. When God opens a window and closes a door, I'm like, lock that shit. I'm like, no. <laughs> Climate control 24-7, 365. I am, a ma- I am a man of the 21st century. Listen, Watch. I respect it. There are a lot of allergens that come in open windows. I like and it. I just learned, now, now let me tell you how dumb I am. Mm. I wanted to replace my entire driver. window. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's me. I wanted to emplace, replace my entire window situation because my screens are very old, but apparently you could just take those off. No big deal. Yeah. Or get new screens. You could just get new screens. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so what I actually wanted to talk about was how happy I am that we are a Philadelphia Flyers podcast and that the Philadelphia Flyers have signed their RFAs. And they've started on next year's, you know, expiring contracts. And that we do not have to spend more than one single second, and that's going to be right now, talking about how Nolan Patrick has not signed his <laughs> uh, qualifying offer. Has uh, he, I didn't even realize because he no longer is a part of my life, but that's hilarious. He's actually, he hasn't signed yet with Vegas? No. I did not know that. great. Wow. Oh god. What does he think he's worth? I mean, like there's no there's there's a million reasons not to have signed a contract. I'm not gonna get into all that, but yeah, I'm glad like I'm not dealing with that. Like I'm glad that's not what this show's about. Nine points We do not have to in fifty two games. Like you can't ask for much. You really can't. Yeah, like fucking You really can't. Like, like that's that's Chris Van Develde level. Like, that's that's his level of production. Is that's like not even worst. hyperbole. That's no, actually accurate. It's like worst player on the team from an offensive production standpoint. That's his like that's his value last season. I thought for sure that by now he would have just signed like a one year like prove it deal. <laughs> you know, just let let's see. You it, would think let's see how you play in Vegas and then prove. go from there. He's yeah. the greatest. They boy haven't that's even ever announced lived. his jersey number yet. Wow. That's fucking amazing. That's what wild. an asshole. Well, God, I, I'm so I'm a, glad we are. I'm not gonna say he's an asshole, but like no, that's just weird that's just weird to me. It's very weird to me that he has not yet signed with Vegas. Yeah, like yes. what's his everything is very strange and we can watch it from the outside and be very glad that we don't have to come up with reasons as to why he hasn't signed and why he doesn't have a jersey number and we don't have to discuss it past this one little huh, that's funny. It's cause he's an asshole. He might just retire. Maybe he does. Bye. Go go not eat pizza in Winnipeg. How fucking, Live your how fucking, fucking life. great would that be if he retired? Bye. <laughs> go not tie your shoes someplace else, you little fucking whiny bitch. Get away. God, I'm so tired of him. Just don't be a thing anymore. And now that there you go. And uh, now that we have the most professional part of the program out of the way, <laughs> let's introduce journalist Charlie O'Connor. <laughs> Hello. It- it me. Um, so I actually just got done covering development camp, which was fun. 
Um, it was cool to see the you know, see the kids. Unfortunately, fans weren't allowed. Um, but I do have an article on theathletic.com breaking down everything I saw, complete with videos that I took on my cell phone. So if you want to get an idea <laughs> of what happened at development camp, who looked good, who struggled, and kind of where everyone stands coming out of the four-day camp, please read my article. And if you are not a subscriber at The Athletic, we have a 50% off sale going on. So, Ooh. hey, give it a shot. Wow. Literally, no fans were allowed at development camp, so one of the only ways you're going to be able to find out what happened at development camp and get a read on how these guys did is to read this article. So, great time to jump on the bandwagon. Like a really good look at what happened in development camp, not the dumb shit that you see everywhere else, folks. You got to pay for the good stuff, so give Charlie a dollar and read his very good article. Thank you. Thanks, gang. <laughs> I see what I do to scam the deals is alternate uh email addresses between my work one and my personal one. My <laughs> my my one dollar a month deal I think is expiring soon, so that fifty percent off I'm gonna have to try to use on my uh my other email address. Good luck, Charlie. Um Oh great. It? So now now the flyers now the flyers have tweeted out a picture of Joel Farabee. So now they're yeah. probably gonna sign him to a fucking extension. I just saw have to work all day again. Are you kidding me? I just, Why does this now? always happen to us? Before I just it was saw, after. I just saw a video that was young Beezer and a bunch of bees and then like a highlight package of him. So like something's gonna happen. Can you just, just let me have what's left of my summer? <laughs> Please. It's over, Chuck. Every it's day over, you do dude. something. It's 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 every Thursday. The summer's over. Like football's starting. That means fall sports are starting. That means it's hockey season. <laughs> oh, this is incredible. Uh, so let's get into uh, because Charlie wasn't here last week, right? That was last week. No, he was. He just didn't have. Oh, the, uh, he couldn't. Couturier. Update. Right, he couldn't come back for the Couturier extension. Now that it's a week later, uh, let's just get back into the Couturier extension a little bit. We definitely looked at the positives last week, and I think we're all glad that it's done. The uh, the cap hit, the average annual value is beneficial to the team. There are certainly some drawbacks to signing a 29-year-old to an eight-year deal. Um, you know, an eight-year extension, so it doesn't even kick in till next year. Um, how are we feeling about the Couturier contract now that we've had the, uh, the seven days? Still great. That's Still very good, so yes. Yeah, I mean, I think my viewpoint of the Couturier contract is that, like, is it a risk? Sure. It's always a risk to sign a guy going into his 30s to an eight-year deal. But the Flyers had already put themselves in position by the decisions they made this offseason that they're a win-now team, that they're trying to win now. And if you're a win now team, you have to re-sign Sean Couturier. Like if, if you were gonna if you were gonna lose Sean Couturier, you would have had to do this offseason entirely different. You would have had to basically start almost a rebuild because in preparation for the fact that you're gonna be losing your best player, and that's the plan. Once you go and you trade Phil Myers for Ryan Ellis and you start trading away your first round draft picks for Rasmus Delinen, you've made the decision that we're trying to win now, that, that we're trying to build a team that can be competitive now. And if you're going to do that, you got to sign Sean Gauthier. So if you put yourself in the position where you've got to sign Sean Gauthier, this is about the best case scenario of putting yourself into a position where you've got to sign Sean Gauthier because Sean Gauthier. Six years. Six years, five million average annual for Joel Farabee. Great, more work for me. Wonderful. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, Far Farabee will be great. Like he's Poor Charlie, player. but I, Charlie, I, just, and, I, I can't get a day off. It's impossible. And like, and Charlie loves Joel Farabee. Like, I don't think you people like going into the draft. Joel Farabee is who Charlie wanted, and he's just distraught right now. But yeah, so they've. I hate. I'm sorry but to my, cut but you the, off. The, but yeah. the point I was making with Couturier is that like Couturier could have looked at the situation and said. The Flyers have to sign me. They have to bring me back. I'm going to hold them over a barrel and get as much as I possibly can. And instead, Gutierrez worked with the Flyers and gave them really a pretty darn good cap hit for what he provides. So I give Gutierrez credit for not looking at the situation and being like, yeah, this is how I can squeeze the most out of the Flyers. Like, he wants to win. And yeah, he got eight years, and that was a big reason why the cap is so reasonable. But he could have gotten more. Like, Logan Couture yeah. three years ago signed an eight-year, $8 million contract, and Sean Couturier is better than Logan Couture was when Logan Couture signed that contract. So, like, Couturier could have pushed for more even on eight years, and he didn't. 
And considering the lack of leverage the Flyers really actually had going into this negotiation, I'm highly impressed that they were able to get Couturier to this reasonable of a contract. I would just like to point out that they're... There's been a long time that people have been complaining about the fact that players don't want to give any concession to play in Philadelphia. And this offseason, we've seen a lot of it. Like, players verbally saying, I took less to come here, like Keith Yandel. Sean Couturier, obviously, taking less on this contract. I think Joel Farabee, arguably, is worth more than $5 million, like, right now. And... I think if he waits, like, this is a six-year deal and he's getting five mil. Like, if he waits, you know, out his RFA status, he's definitely worth more than five mil if he continues yeah. on the... Like, I'm looking at him thinking, oh, shit, this is going to be Simone Gagne. And, yeah. like, we got that tweet yesterday about, oh, man, the Braden Shen, uh, the Braden Shen trade was a mistake. And we all just were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but... <laughs> I really, I, like, I, don't, I, I don't know what's happening. I really hope that everyone realizes that at like last season, Joel Farabee's second year in the league, uh, he scored more goals and points than Braden Shen. Like he is a more productive I mean, player, you know. All right, are we doing this? No, no. I'm this? just saying, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not talking shit on Braden Shen. He's good, and it was. I don't need the wrath of Steph about Braden Shen today. We already got the we already got the Nolan Patrick shit out of the way. Uh, Braden <laughs> Shen was a fucking century ago. I, I don't. I'm just saying. I was laughing at Nolan Patrick, and then you bring up bad players. Uh, the Braden Shen trade did not make sense at the time because it made the team worse, but it made sense long term no. and I'm still worried about Morgan Frost. Thank you! They had to They had to make room for franchise center Nolan Patrick, remember? Uh, but yeah, the Couturier thing, I am, uh, I'm, I'm still happy with it. I mean, the term, it's always gonna be whatever, but like, I always say the sun could burn out in eight years. I don't fucking know it's five years down the line. Charlie said this is a win-now team. Like, uh, they have to. You don't get rid of Phil Myers, you don't get rid of Nolan Patrick if you're not trying to win at this moment, and that's what they did, so... I'm happy. You just with it. lived through a goddamn tornado. Yeah, like, like eight years from now. Like, let's talk about eight minutes. Yeah, from my now. hometown was just destroyed by a tornado. Like, uh, any fucking thing could happen. So, I'm happy with this Couturier extension, but it just leads to the question: Okay, uh, Couturier's done now. Joel Farabee's done, and we can get into that. Um, Giroux, when? Well, they well, they, they flat did out say said they're not yeah. gonna. Yeah. They're not going to really talk about it until the end of the season because oh. Drew needs to needs to see what the season is like before he decides if he wants to stick around, which is not the exact words that were used, but it was implied. Totally I don't fair. think so. I don't really buy that. Um, that like, okay. I don't buy that. This is this is like Drew doesn't know if he's going to stick around. I think it's more like I think Drew believes he's going to stay. And I think this is more of like, let's kind of see where the Flyers are at at the yeah. end of the season and then we'll work out a deal that makes sense for everybody. Like, that's more my... Because I've never gotten the sense that Giroux wants to leave. And I don't think that this got no. pushed to the side because it's like Giroux is having second thoughts. I think that, like, he's kind of at the point where, you know, yeah, if the team bombs this year, then he might want out. I, mean, I, would, I would totally respect that. Same. But... If, like, the Flyers have a really good season, you know, maybe Giroux then is like, well, I'll take a little bit less so we can keep the gang together. But whereas if like, the Flyers have a mess season, then it's like, well, maybe I deserve the Joe Pavelski deal. Like, there's there's a lot of factors here, and I think everybody's just sort of looking at this like, you know, we're not concerned that if we leave this until the end of the season that Giroux's going to leave. So we don't need to do this right now. Whereas with Couturier, I mean, he's more in the prime of his career. It was like... Let's get this done now, just so it's not hanging over his head the whole year. Also, like, Chuck's going to have to do something to keep Giroux at this point, right? Like, Yeah, like, JVR no keeping... is, is... Yeah, one of them's got to go. He's all but gone, right? He's got to be, because there's, there's just no way. Like, Especially if we want Johnny. Two million. <laughs> right, yeah, we got to make room for Johnny, too, before the deadline. So like, what the fuck here? Do. This... 
how are they going to afford all these players? That's the, like, when I got into it last week, and, like, it sounded like I was complaining. I'm not. I'm just saying, and, like, if all this works out, awesome, then I'm the asshole, and I'll gladly wear that. If Bill's the asshole and the Flyers are good, cool, world is as it should be. But, like, (laughs) for the amount of money they're spending, they should be more than a borderline playoff team, no? But they might be. We don't know yet. I agree. No, I agree. Talk to me about it in two months. Certainly. And, like, it might take, like, this could very well be, like, AV's first year where what you're seeing, the process looks good, but the result is a little up and down until they, until they, you know, the chemistry and everything really gets going, and then they kick it into full gear, and then hopefully there's not a fucking pandemic that interrupts the season this time as they're the hot team entering the playoffs. Let's not jinx it because... Well, who can say? Yeah, I mean, exa- again, tornado warning in South Jersey last night. Uh, who the fuck knows? Um, let's, uh, all right, so that's that. The Farabee thing, this is good. Uh, I like the cost certainty more than anything. I just like knowing, like, I like looking at Cap Friendly and seeing, you know, not empty space. You know who's going to be where. I like to know when I'm putting in in the notes app of my phone and making the uh, hypothetical lines. I like to know who's going to be there. So uh, so that's nice. <laughs> Let's look a little further down the line here at the development camp. Of course, for full, uh, for, you know, full analysis of development camp, subscribe to The Athletic and uh, read Charlie's articles. We also have... And BroadStreetHockey.com. Covering... Yes. Um, Maddie couldn't get home last night because of the storm and the flooding, so we don't have any content today, but she is fine, so we will get it up when she's able to get home. She have a, what, she she doesn't have a hot spot in her car? Pull over and start typing. She had, she stayed in a and b in, uh, Peddler's Village last oh, night, that sounds so she's pleasant. okay, but. That does sound pleasant. Stressful. That sounds you awful, know. honestly. I hope she's alright. She's okay. Uh, so the Flyers, uh, just. Just for reference here on the oldathletic.com, number 17 on Pronman's pipeline. Uh, just, you know, uh, thoughts from Dev Camp real quick, Charlie, because I wasn't there and neither were any of us, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Dev Camp this year was a little bit different because it happens so close to training camps. Um, Usually the way Dev Camp works is that they work the kids pretty hard. It's usually right after the draft, right? It's usually right after the draft. Yeah. Um, it's usually like late June, early July. Well, this yeah. year obviously it's late September, early or late August, early September. So it was a little bit lighter than usual, not as much work. Um, because a big part of normal development camp is like, okay, we're gonna give all these kids stuff to work on in the summer. You know, you're going to come, you're, you're going to be with, you know, our coaching staff, our development staff, and we're going to give you, you know, exercises and drills and things you can work on when you go back home. Well, they're not really going back home. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll go back home for a week or so, but like rookie camp is starting on like the 15th or 16th, 16th of September, which is literally in two weeks. So there was only so much they were going to have the kids do. Um, that said, I mean, if I'm talking about like guys that impressed me, I mean, the number one... I generally look at it as like there's usually one guy at these camps that really jumps out at you as like man like he kind of owned this camp. I think Tyson Forrester had a great camp. That's what really, I wanted to he hear. Really good. To really. Make. Yeah. Um, I love to hear this. Like his skating still isn't great, but it does look better, um, which is good. Like it's it's I don't think it's ever gonna look good, but it seems like he's quicker. You know, it's it's sort of getting to the point where, like, it doesn't look aesthetically good, but he seems to get from point A to point B pretty well. Like, that's always been my thing with Wade Allison. Like, Wade Allison's skating stride never has looked pretty, but then you watch him in drills and he's winning puck race. And you're like, well, I mean, I guess it works for him. And it's slowly getting to the point with Forrester where I could, I don't think he's quite there yet. Like, he's he needs to get better at skating. But he's better than where he was, to my eyes, in January and if he keeps progressing, you know, every year a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, he could get to the point where he's not terrible. And because he's so good at all the other stuff, if he's just not terrible from an NHL standpoint of skating, 
could be a darn good player, and he killed it in the the tournament. He led the the tournament in goals. He had five goals, and they were all different types of goals. Like he had two snipes where he beat the goalie clean. He had a one timer which was a rocket. He had a, a a goal in front of the net. He had one goal that actually ended the one of the playoff games in overtime, where it was just like a distant slap shot right along the ice that Kirillus Demenko should have stopped. But hey, you know what? what Somebody's just got to slip ones through. Um, <laughs> He was really good. I really liked him. I liked his camp. And, um, you know, I kind of put this in my article with him that it's it's weird where, like, I almost feel like in a weird sort of way he's kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit because he got drafted in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And then there wasn't a development camp right afterwards that allowed everybody to get excited about him. And then even though he played in the AHL last year and did very well there, like he scored 10 goals in 24 games, which is a damn good pace for a 19-year-old especially, I feel like he kind of got overshadowed by like everyone was so excited about Zade Wisdom. Wisdom had such a hot start that it was like, oh, and Forster's here too. Exactly. And then you had guys like Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski who were playing well in the AHL too, and they were closer to the NHL. So you just kind of like weren't really thinking about like, hey, our first round pick is on a 30 goal pace in the AHL at age 19. That's pretty cool. And I think this camp was was interesting to me because I came to the camp like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to Tuamal. He's the most recent draft pick. And not that Tuamal wasn't impressive because he can really skate and that's cool. But Forrester was the guy who jumped out at me as like, hey, this is this is a really good prospect. Two questions. Uh, first, do the Flyers just not value skating? <laughs> well, to Amala like, can skate. Yeah, he's, he's the first yeah. guy in a while who can legitimately skate. And like, and Farabee is like a good skater. He's fast. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's like decent. He's, if you ask Corey Promen, he will say Joel Farabee is a below average skater. I, don't I would agree say with that, but. he can move. I wouldn't. I don't know. Like technically how solid of a skater is but he can move but it seems like every prospect it's like oh yeah if they work on their skating they're gonna be a superstar but they just they uh they they don't know how to tie their skates they're still using the skate key on their laces like it seems like it's always some sort of issue two there were just two guys i wanted to ask you about because you already got to forster wisdom and isaac ratcliffe you know i'm just really emotionally tied to both of these guys how did Isaac Ratcliffe look? So Ratcliffe, um, so I guess I'll kick off with Wisdom because Wisdom didn't play. Wisdom okay. is coming off of that shoulder surgery. Right, He's out right, indefinitely. Right. Um, I'm working on finding out, you know, whether indefinitely means we just don't know or if indefinitely means he's going to miss the season. But he was he was at camp. Like, I saw him, yeah. but his arm's in a sling, and he's he was no way he was going to be on the ice. As for Ratcliffe, Ratcliffe, um, during drills— he didn't stand out too much, but he was very good in the tournament. He scored a bunch of goals. He sniped some some goals. He had some where he was like getting to his own rebound, which is what I want to see from a guy that's that big. I want to see him use that size uh, more effectively. He just had a really rough year. Not even rough in terms of how he played, but like he had, I believe it was like, a collarbone or a rib injury that then devolved into a collapsed lung. Yeah. And then he got COVID. Like, it was just like, it was a year from hell for Isaac Ratcliffe. And, like, I'm not giving up on him as a prospect because I'm sort of just viewing last year as something of a throwaway year because of all the health issues that he had. Um, But he really needs to have a big year this year because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was taken in the same, you know, the same draft class as, um, as Morgan Frost. I believe. I believe he was that year. He was 2017. Yeah. Um, yep. And because I wanted I mean, him in 13. Was that all the same draft? Yeah. yeah. I think it was Damn. Patrick Frost and, and Ratcliffe, I believe. Um, but anyway, um, he, uh, you know, Frost is obviously banging on the door of an NHL job, and that's after being injured for a season. And Ratcliffe is still trying to have one good AHL season. So it's a big year for him. I mean, he needs to, he needs to have an impact season at the AHL to really reestablish himself as a prospect. And he looked good in the three-on-threes. Hopefully he can use that to kind of carry over into to rookie camp in September, main camp, and then the AHL. Like, he, he said in his interview he wants to make the NHL. And it's like, kid, I love the confidence. I do. Um, but let's have a good AHL season first before we start talking about the NHL. Yeah, I read that and was like, That's it, just really? one. Huh? I, I'd <laughs> like to make the NHL as well, Isaac. Like, <laughs> like, I think there, there are steps along you the know, way. It sounds really hard to play in the NHL, <laughs> so I just want to get paid NHL money. And that's it. I'd like Is to there... be Matthew Strom and like just be in the ECHL. 
Is there anybody, Charlie, that you think looked good enough that they could theoretically compete for a spot? I mean, it's just the guys we already know. Like, okay. Wade Allison is going to compete. He will probably yeah. make, like, earn a spot, I would assume. Um, beyond him, I mean, let me take a look at the list of players. Because um, I literally have it in front of me because I was writing the article all night last night. I mean, Frost will Is have- Noah Cates there? No. So none of the college guys came because they're all mm-hmm. back at college. Um, so none, oh, right. So none of the, the only college guys that came are college guys who are done with college now. Um, I mean, Morgan Frost, obviously, he'll have a chance. Tanner Lazinski will have a chance. Igor Zamul and Cam York will have chances. I don't know if there was anybody who showed up that, like, I didn't already think had a shot that that I came out of the sticking they have a shot. I mean, Lena Sandin, like, he looked good Linus. Um, in the in the three-on-three, but, like, he's 25. He should look good yeah, in the three-on-three. Yeah, he's yeah. playing against a bunch of 20-and-under guys. Um, so that wasn't, that didn't shock me. Like, he should dominate that. Um, Jackson Cates had his moments. I mean, he'll be in the Knicks, I think, for a, a bottom six role in camp. Um, he didn't stand out quite as much as I would have wanted him to, but he made some plays in the three-on-three. Um, so, no, I, I don't think there was really anything that anything came out of camp where I'm like, you know, there's a guy who I didn't think would have a chance that I think has a chance. I, I like Forrester's camp. I don't think Tyson Forrester is making the Flyers out of camp. I just like his progression. I like where he's trending. And like, um, there, So, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. Cap-wise, we're going to have those situations to start the year where it's like, I can't believe Phil Myers didn't make the team. And then he's here in a couple of days because, like, cap-wise, they have, like, 270000 right now, and that's with Allison and Lazinski and York not on the roster. So there's going to be some movement in the beginning of the season. I think we're going to see some call-ups and uh, some roster movement like we saw a couple of years ago. Uh, let's take a break real quick. And then uh, we're going to talk about the Flyers. Steph, what's what's that face? Is it not time for a break? I had no idea we were halfway through the show. I feel like it's 1128, so it's about time. And this next topic is like three quarters of the outline. So let's take a break. Let's do it. And then uh, we'll be back on the other side. So enjoy this wonderful word from our sponsors. All right, fam, we are back. Thank you for listening to that commercial break. Uh, I'm sure it was informative and helpful to all of you. So the Flyers have announced they will induct a new member into the franchise's Hall of Fame for the first time since 2016. Uh, This is pretty cool because it's always a fun night to honor the past. And there's been a lot of, you know, we've talked about it. Um, It's always, you know, since Ed Snyder died, it's like there's just something missing with the franchise. It doesn't have... The family feel, it doesn't have the tie to its history since the, you know, patriarch of the franchise passed away. So I think this is a good way to kind of get back to those roots of what the Philadelphia Flyers are all about. Uh, and they are they announced they're going to be changing the selection process. There'll be a whole, uh, you know, voting committee. It's going to be a whole thing. Read the article. It's everywhere. Uh, it's on Flyers.com. It's on every affiliate, how they're going to be doing it. Uh, but real quick, just to run through who is in the Hall of Fame. In, uh, in 1988, the initial class, it was a couple of guys you might have heard of, Bob Clark and Bernie Perrant. In 89, Ed Snyder, Bill Barber, and Keith Allen, who was the team's first coach and then championship GM. In 90, McLeish and Shero got in. 91, Ashby and Jer- Dornhofer. Uh, 92, Gene Hart and Reggie Leach. 93, Ed Van Imp and Joe Scott. If you do not know the story of Joe Scott, I wrote it all out here, but I just want to get into this. It's way too much to read. Uh, Very fucking interesting. Uh, Check out the story of Joe Scott and the Philadelphia Flyers. 94, Tim Kerr. 96, Joe Watson. 99, Brian Propp. 01, Mark Howell. 04, Dave Poulin. 08, Ron Hextall. 09, Dave Schultz. 2014, Lindros and LeClaire. 2015, Desjardins and Brenda Moore. 2016, Jimmy Watson. So it leads to the question, who's next? And I'm not sure how we want to do this. I think I'm just going to name a candidate and we're going to lay out the case for them. I have uh, statistics and relevant uh, anecdotes and whatnot written under each name. Let's lead it off with uh, a more recent. I love, I already see the second one in Kelly's responses. Just know <laughs> we're going to disagree on that one, Kelly. We're going to disagree on that one. Uh, let's lead it off, though, with Danny Briere. 
He had 124 goals, 283 points, and 364 regular season games. But of course, what he is remembered most for, 72 points in 68 playoff games, led the 2010, led the 2010 playoffs with 30 points. Uh, just, uh, like, imagine playing 68 playoff games in a five-year span. What a fucking paradise that, that those times were. Um, Remember the playoffs? Yeah, sort of. He only had, this was surprising to me, only one playoff OT winner here. Uh, he scored some big goals, game-tying goals, uh, regulation, winning goals, all that. But only one playoff OT winner here. And it was game one in 2012 against the Devils. That really shocked me. Uh, but Danny Briere, the first candidate I want to throw out there, fan favorite, kind of led the turnaround by signing here in 07. Danny Briere, the next in? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he will be the next one in. I think he will be in eventually. Um, and I don't think that his involvement with the organization after his retirement is hurting his case here. Certainly. Um, I just don't think he'll be next. Yeah, I kind of feel like his like active employment with the team would make it weird for them to put him in right now. Well, didn't they put Pronger into the Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame? <laughs> while before, he was still technically active. Like, yeah. while he was still under contract yeah, for the team or something? Yeah. Everyone was just. Faking. I know it's different, yeah. but it's still it's very funny because you know, it was funny. Sports. It was funny that the hall, like the actual hockey hall of fame, recognized like, yeah, what's going on with the cap and all that is bullshit. He's he's eligible. He's in. <laughs> he's in. Um. Okay. So before I get into this, okay. Um, so I've been swamped with everything over the last well basically since the flyers like midway through last week decided they were going to have like cram a second busy off season into yeah. 10 days um i'm going to kind of not talk too much about this charlie's on the committee um, eh because i may have a vote here hey look at this guy um I'll I'll talk. Let me put it this way: at the very least, I'm not going to talk about like who is going to be next because I may or may not know who's been nominated. Okay, gotcha. You asshole! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just Charlie can comment on He's legacy. Just like, I know who it's going to be or who's on the short list, and I'm just not going to tell you. So go ahead and enjoy wasting the next Charlie half hour of your lives discussing things that are never going to happen. Charlie can comment on legacy and things like that. Uh, just yes, Charlie, exactly. he doesn't he doesn't need to talk about who is and isn't going to get in. Just wait. Um, I won't say anything. Just wait. Steph, record this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? But Danny Briere, I think we can all, whether it's he's next or it's a couple of years down the line, whatever it is. I mean, he could very well be the fucking coach of this team at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, my view, my view of Briere is that, like, I think he's going to stay involved yeah. with the organization in some form or another. So those kinds of people, if they had a good playing career with the team and then stayed with the organization and did more stuff, they eventually make it in. Even if he didn't have a good playing career with the team, as we'll get to with some of the candidates on the bottom of this list, there's a chance she'd get in. Uh, I have a hypothetical that I think Kelly will be interested in. Oh, God. If they make Danny Briere the captain right away in 0708, instead of using Jason Smith as the placeholder for Mike Richards, do we have a completely different timeline of Flyers hockey even up to present? So the implication appears to be the C was the problem. I was going to say that the reason the Flyers <laughs> didn't win in this era was because Mike Richards was the captain, Not which so I'm much going to reject. <laughs> Not so much the winning, <laughs> but the the locker room dynamics that eventually led from a team being an overtime bullshit goal away from winning the cup to basically, be, yeah, to actually being swept in the second round by Boston and blowing everything up. The locker room dynamics that led to things being blown up, would they have occurred as dramatically as they did if, you know, Mike Richards wasn't the captain of the team. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe. But also, like, <laughs> are we just gonna, like, pretend that 
trading two guys in their mid-20s for going out drinking was like a dumb idea from the start, and maybe we shouldn't give that any validity. Like, that was a stupid reason to, to blow up your franchise. No, it, it was more just like that everybody hated each other than the drinking. Like, is that Mike Richards' fault? Uh, you know, I'm well, sure. Well, on that it's team. not not his fault. Like, maybe I'm it's sure. Carter's fault. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, listen, Mike Richards is one of my all-time favorite flyers. Uh, he won't be nominated in this process, uh, nope. but I'd put him in. However, I mean, like. He's... Jeff Carter was so miserable in Columbus that he refused to take calendar pictures with puppies. He was definitely a problem here. Jeff Carter yeah. hates puppies. I love both of them, but it's not as if their personalities were not without warts. That's what I'll say. They were assholes, I'm yeah. sure. They were in their mid early to mid-20s and got massive contracts from an NHL franchise. They were for sure dicks. But, like, who cares? Because they were also good hockey players. Unlike some people nowadays that are dicks and also suck. <laughs> I wonder who you're talking about, Kelly. I don't wonder know. who she could be talking about. Uh, all right. so I think I think it's Brendan Manning. <laughs> well, I mean... Based on what he did in, what, the AHL, or did he do it when he was on the Oilers, or was he in the AHL when he said that thing? He was in the AHL. Wasn't great. Where he belongs. He was playing in a league. He was playing in a a league online with his skill set. That's shocking, honestly. (laughs) All right, I think we all agree at some point Danny Briere is going to get in. We all know about the playoff heroics, etc. Let's move on to the one that at least one of us is going to disagree with. Hmm. Mark Recchi. Uh, Two stints with the team. Uh, they traded for him a couple of times. He uh, ninth all time on the Flyers uh, points list with 627. He had two, I mean, two very successful stints here. Uh, and the trade history, just so ridiculous. Like traded to, uh, traded for Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett came like the the incestuousness of the like. Renberg, Recky, and Tockett trades, just absolutely freaking insane. If you ever want to kill some time on Hockey Reference looking at the trades, just really hilarious. Uh, since 1991-92, when the Flyers acquired Mark Recky, only Giroux, Lindros, and LeClaire have amassed more points as a Flyer. So everybody on the list ahead of him, other than those guys, like, Won championships were played in the 80s when, like, the worst players had 50 points. Uh, scored a three-overtime goal in game four of the first round against Toronto in 03. He's got a hell of a case, Kelly, and I know you and I agree his number should not be retired. But the Flyers Hall of Fame is a step down from that. I kind of think he belongs there. So that was a, a whole lot of interesting facts about a guy that's a penguin. Mark Recchi is a <laughs> <Yeah>. penguin. <laughs> so... They can put him in the Hall of Fame because he's a Penguins. He's not a Flyers. So, that's my case. The woman is spoken. Also, fuck Mark Recchi. I mean, like, there's that. But also, <laughs> I feel like when people think of Mark Recchi, they think of the Penguins. Like, like, people outside of Philadelphia. Like, a regular hockey person. Like, if you ask Elliot Friedman about Mark Recchi, he's probably thinking about the Penguins and not the Flyers. I think more of a mercenary. Like, I picture him in a Bruins jersey. Like, I picture him in just every jersey that looks like it was photoshopped on. (laughs) Like, he won three cups with three different teams. I just picture him as, like, the ultimate trade deadline acquisition. I guess. You know where he didn't win a cup? Here. Philadelphia. Oh, and that's why, despite his status as a Hockey Hall of Famer, I do not believe he should have his number retired. Also, he wore two different numbers here. It's far too confusing. No, that was the the point I was going to make, is that, like, the Flyers have a thing where they retire everybody's number after they make the Hall of Fame. Recky made the Hall of Fame, and his number wasn't retired. So that does speak— Well, it just—it speaks to the feeling that, like, he's not really a Flyer in the way that, like, Lindros was a Flyer. Like, like Lindros played for other teams, but, like— there is a feeling that Eric Lindros is a Philadelphia friggin' flyer. Whereas with Recky, it's a little yeah. different. Lindros's career ended when elbow connected with head from Scott Stevens. Like, I don't give a shit. Actually, he, did like, not, he, he, he didn't play for the Dallas Stars or New York Rangers. It was just, that was yeah. it. That was, that was, a, that was another of, guy. He had, he actually had, like, one of the best years of his career with the Rangers. But, like, regardless, yeah, he's a flyer. Mark Recky, to Kelly's point, not a flyer. I agree. He did play for all of the teams he played for, 
the most games he played with any one franchise was here in Philadelphia. Good for him. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have like I do have a with in terms of the number retirement, I have an issue with lead well, he's in the Hall of Fame so he gets his jersey retired. Like I hate leaving it up to someone else. Like, oh yeah, we're going to let the, the the writers from around the country who decide the Hall of Fame choose uh, who gets their number retired for our individual franchise. Like, I do appreciate that they, like, made the differentiation. Like, yeah, that's stupid. Like, I, I do appreciate that a little bit. All right, let's move on. Uh, Simone Gagne. 22nd overall pick in 1998 was an over was an alternate captain from 2005 till he departed the first time in 2010. Uh, he had 259 goals and 524 points in his first stint, 99-2000 through 0910. Uh, came back in 2013. Remember that five goals in 27 games. 32 goals, 90 playoff games, uh, scored a playoff overtime winner in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final versus Tampa, as well as that huge Game 4 overtime winner against Boston in 2010 to spark the 3-0 comeback. Four goals in four games in that Boston series, including the Game 7 winner, uh, and had a seven-goal-in-seven-game stretch after coming back from injury in those 2010 playoffs. Simone Gagne may be one of the most beloved and still somehow underrated flyers uh, of a generation. Uh, he's got as good of a case as anybody. He was a leader. Uh, yes. Scored a bunch of goals. Yes. Simone Gagne. Yes. Do I need yeah. to say yes again? Yes. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Totally get it. He makes more sense to me than Briere, if we're talking really? about like that era, era of flyers. I think so. Although I kind of wonder, like, I mean, despite all the yeses, I, I wonder, like, if you could say to yourself, well, he won a cup with another team. So, like, does that impact his case? Mm. But no, because he's perfect in every single way. I, I kind of feel like Gagne was, like, one of the defining players of that entire era. Of Absolutely. Hockey, which I think and bridged, for him. And bridged two eras. Yeah, like, he did. Kind of like the Drew pre, did too. Yeah, the pre and post lockout, like the that 04 team was a bunch of old dudes on their last legs and Simone Gagne. And then like that's who he is in 2010, having basically like the primo playoffs after he comes back from injury. Like that's that was kind of his role at that point. Um I think he identifies as a even though like yeah he won in LA we traded him uh we traded him after 2010 like all that stuff happened but he's a fucking flyer like that's who he is and then what happened he came home yeah he came back he eventually he came for back us again yeah so and he wasn't he came okay home. so he wasn't I, terrible. I I had this conversation in my comment section a couple of years ago maybe it was even last year maybe it might have been during the pandemic when time wasn't real um. But basically the concept of like every decade had its it's like defining player where you're like the 70s was Clark. The 80s was probably Brian Propp. The 90s was Lindros. This decade is Giroux. And the question was, who is the defining player of the 2000s? Wow. And it was an interesting question because it's like, yeah, that's a weird decade. But I ended up answering that like if it had a defining player... I think it was Simone Gagne. I mean, he played on the team the entirety of the decade, and while he may not have been the best player the entirety of the decade, he was always one of the best, and he was always there, and he had some really great years. He was part of the leadership core. I mean, if I'm talking about who defined the 2000s for the Philadelphia Flyers, the closest thing you have is Simone Gagne. And if he's that guy, if he is the defining player for a decade of Flyers hockey, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. He has to be. I think Gagne's the like we're gonna run through the some of the other uh, candidates I have here, but I think Gagne's who I want. Like it's it's probably gonna be someone older. Gagne always has a chance to get in, uh, but yeah, that's a great point, Charlie. Like you know he's on those like he's on those early two thousands teams. Um, he, they bring in Forsberg. He has the forty goal seasons. Even that second year when Forsberg only played like forty games, Gagne still scored forty some. Like he was still a fucking like really productive player despite Peter Forsberg not being there to set him up for half the season. Uh, and then of course you know he, he takes on a a different role and is still very productive, especially in terms of goal scoring later in his career. 
man, I think the answer is Simone Gagne. He would definitely be like at the top of the list uh, as options, without a doubt. I mean, you know, and I don't know if he'll be the one who gets it, but he's got to be in the mix. The thing that hurts him, and I don't think it'll hurt him in this process necessarily, but like his time with the Flyers didn't end. Not like it's not like it ended poorly from a fan perspective, but like he was essentially promised that they were going to re-sign him the second time he came back. And then they didn't. And he was kind of ticked off, understandably so. And that was after they traded him away for peanuts to clear cap space in 2010 after he scored, you know, multiple key goals during that playoff run and came back from injury early. So I do think there is, justifiably speaking from Gagne's perspective, a little bit of of bitterness there that, like, you should have treated me better. And honestly, they should have treated him better. Well, Mm -hmm. they tried to put Eric Lindros on a plane with a collapsed lung, so... (laughs) Yeah, get past that. We can always, we can always. This is not an organization that has a very long (laughs) history of taking care of their. But at the same time, they 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 bury the the hatchet with Lindros. Yeah, for the most part, they really do take care of their players. That's why, like, everybody has a fucking job for life. But like, there are circumstances that ended poorly. This is one. I don't know if it's comparable to Lindros, just because Lindros was, you know. But yeah, there is something there. I'm glad Charlie brought that up. Uh, Let's move on to Rick Tockett. He was the captain of the team in 91-92 in his first stint with the team. 523 points, 1,832 penalty minutes from Mm. 84-85 to 91-92. He is the Flyers' all-time leader in penalty minutes with 18-15. He came back for a second stint, played parts of like two seasons, 44 points, 134 penalty minutes in 90 games. Uh... 508 total points is 15th all-time on the Flyers list, and I think a great way to announce him making the Hall of Fame is by bringing him in to replace Elaine Vigneault midway through the season. I think that there's a certain... He joked to himself. I I think that there are are certain Flyers fans that would think that putting Rick Toggett in the Flyers Hall of Fame is a very good idea and that he should be in there. But I don't... I feel like he's one of those players that, like, you know, you remember because it was fun, but, like, not Hall of Fame level like, career. If Dave Schultz doesn't win a Stanley Cup, he's not in, is what you're saying? Pretty much. Like, there's, yeah. like, not being in a Hall of Fame doesn't mean that you were bad. I just think it's, like, a certain level, and I don't think he reaches it. Like, there are a lot of players that people argue should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame that, like, were very good. But, like, if you just put all the very good players in a Hall of Fame, then it's meaningless. What's it mean? Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so my gut is that he probably gets it at some point. My personal feeling is that I don't view him as a, as a Flyers Hall of Famer, but I feel like that's partially influenced by the fact that I didn't watch him play for the Flyers. Yeah, so, his, his prime was well before we were, you know. Like, age. I think there's there's probably something, like, there's probably a comparable that can be made between Rick Tockett and Wayne Simmons, where, mm-hmm. like, probably the people who watch Rick Tockett view Rick Tockett the same way we viewed Wayne Simmons. Okay. That's the embodiment of being a flyer. When we talk about, like, who is a flyer, like, Wayne Simmons, in my mind, will be in the Flyers Hall of Fame one day. Like, it's way down the line, but that's something that should happen. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. And my point is that I suspect that people who are, you know, 10 to 15 years older than we are probably viewed Rick Tockett the exact same way when he played for the Flyers. All right. I see that. How about the third member of the Legion of Doom, the only one currently not in the Flyers Hall of Fame, Michael Renberg? Flyers drafted him 40th overall in 1990, 109 goals, 241 points in his first stint, 93-94 to 96-97. Had two uh had two stints here, was part of the uh reclaiming of the Flyers draft picks after the Chris Gratton offer sheet was sent down to Tampa Bay and then of course they reacquired him like a year and a half later, came back with Damon Lankal. Uh 
for Grattan and Mike Sillinger. Second stint, 108 games in two partial seasons, scored 55 points. Traded to Phoenix for Rick Tockett. Uh, he is... His 296 points are tied for 31st all-time on the Flyers list. Second all-time for Swedish-born Flyers. And from my check, which is unofficial, fourth all-time non-North American leading scoring Flyer behind Voracek, Eklund, uh, and Sinsalo. So what do we think there? Michael Renberg. I just think, like, the Legion of Doom kind of encapsulates an era of Flyers hockey. He was... Uh, he, he was a he was a major part of a team that went to a Stanley Cup, kind of like culturally a flyer. What do we think about Michael Renberg? God, Michael Renberg really does get no respect. No, <laughs> like, no one ever talks <laughs> about Michael Renberg. No, like he's he was treated a like pivotal part. He's treated like uh like Michael Raffle on the first line with Voracek and Giroux. Like right, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I just guess... go Voracek, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe you have to wonder. Like it's a long time ago, so I don't really remember. Like, could it have been any dude with Lindros and LeClaire, and they would have been, you know, just fine? Oh, the Sidney Crosby experience. Exactly. Like, was Eric Lindros the Sidney Crosby of his time? I mean, yes, but also, I don't know. I, I also think that Renberg is one of those very good players that doesn't rise to the level of a Hall of Fame guy. And just, despite, like, looking at, you know, looking at his years played here, despite, like, the Legion of Doom being, you know, a, a cultural thing for Flyers fans. He didn't play here very long. Like, he really, his career was not a lengthy one with the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't think Remberg is a, is a Hall of Famer, personally. I just, I mean, I think that he's he was a good player, and he was certainly a tough player. I mean, he battled through some pretty awful injuries. Um but there's just an element, uh, and 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 I'm not saying he was completely a product of of Lindros and, and Leclerc because he wasn't. He had a great rookie year with, without them, not on the Legion yeah. of Doom. But I do think that his stature is inflated a bit because he was on that line. You know, those guys. He was clearly the third best player on that line, and maybe if that, like, if if that Flyers team wins a cup, then yeah, he's in. But they didn't win a cup, so you don't put those role player types in the Hall of Fame for an era that didn't produce a Stanley Cup. That's my view. That's fair. All right, we're running short on time. I have a lot of guys, so I'm going to group these three together. Uh, Primo, Tiemann, and Hartnell. I think they all make it in eventually. So I kind of put Hartnell in the same boat as Renberg. I don't know if yeah. he's a Hall of Famer. Mm-mm. Primo is weird. Because I honestly don't think he deserves it based on his, his his like overall resume, but I think he gets in anyway because of the perception and because of that playoff series. That well, that playoff. Was, I mean, that picture of him with a stick in the air is just like still to the day my one of my favorite pictures. He's got he was the captain from oh one to oh six, so he has that going for him. Two conference finals appearances, and of course the. Uh, the overtime winner against the Penguins, the five overtime game, of course, the 05 or the 04 playoffs, seven goal, uh, what was it? Nine goals, 16 points in 18 games in the 04 playoffs. He scored seven goals and 22 points in that regular season. Like it was an epic playoff performance. Unfortunately, they lost in seven to a much better, much healthier Tampa Bay team. Yeah, I wouldn't say much better. I would definitely say much healthier. Um, well, health, yeah, I mean, yeah, like much nobody better, can move. Much better in terms of the version of the Flyers that was playing in that game seven. Yeah. If the Flyers were healthy, I think they were better than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they had LeCavalier, St. Louis, and Habby Bullen, and the Flyers had a bunch of dudes playing through concussions and broken ribs yeah, and shit. Exactly. Um, I, I do think Primo gets it eventually. Um, I just the, the Primo thing is fascinating to me because had that, like, it. I always think back to, like, what would we perceive Keith Primo as if he just didn't play in that playoff run? Mm. Like, because he wasn't universally liked. He really no, wasn't. Mean, like, he no, was the he guy was... they got back for Brindamore, who yeah. everyone loved. He was the guy who was part of the mutiny against uh, against your Bill Barber. Like, Bill he Barber. was. Mm-hmm. He and, and then his offensive production dropped. Like, he was not a universally loved guy until that playoff series. But it was like, or that that playoff run. But it was like the best way to make yeah. everyone forget all of the other bullshit. And now all we remember is Keith Primo playoff god. Which, like, no, good for yeah. him. That's awesome. It's just, it's a wild case study in terms of how perceptions can change of a player. 
Yeah, and like like you said, he's the guy who got traded for Rod the Bod. He's the guy who was going to replace Eric Lindros. Like he didn't do any of those things. <laughs> like yeah. he had a nice he had one nice playoff run and then a goal 5 years before that. Like and that's it. And I like Primo. He was a good leader. He was a tough player. Like he was in the All-Star game throwing fucking hits. I enjoyed that, but like, you know, uh how about Kimo and He's beloved 270 points, third all-time for Flyers D-men, alternate captain 07 to 2014. He's got a case, right? I think he's got a case. Yeah. I don't, I mean, he's he's borderline, but I think he's got a pretty darn good case, and I think he probably gets in eventually, but not in the near future, I would say. In terms of non-players, Lou Nolan and Paul Holmgren both have real interesting cases. Oh, Holmgren yeah. did Holmgren did play for the team 500 games, one minor away from 1600 penalty minutes. Uh but uh, he worked in the front office starting in 1995, became the assistant general manager in 98, GM from 06 to 14. He's the president of the team since then. Uh, he's going to get in at some point. I wonder if it's like his retirement present. Oh, and you're in the Hall of Fame like you know he's he's kind of on these committees from what I've from what I understand about his uh his role. So maybe it's weird, but he's got a he's got a case. I think Lou Nolan should absolutely get 100. in. Been no the brainer. PA announcer since seventy two seventy three. Uh, he's been the PA for eight Stanley Cup Finals, two All Star games, a Frozen Four, and an entry draft. I mean. Lou Nolan is as much of the fabric of this fucking franchise as anybody. Yeah, and imagine a game without his exactly you know, Pico power play. Like it's you can't. <laughs> it, it's it's literally going to be like watching a Phillies game um, without Harry. Like that's what it's going to be like when Lou Nolan is no longer the PA announcer for the Flyers at home games. It's, it's it's going to feel it's going to feel irreversibly different. And I don't care who comes after him; they're never going to be Lou Nolan. Yeah, he, he's a yeah, no brainer. I have them both on my short list. Uh, guys that should be in in the, in the foreseeable future. And Holmgren, I mean, Holmgren, it's... With him, it's just, it's, it's weird because it's going to be like a lifetime achievement thing. Because like yeah. as a player, he doesn't necessarily deserve to be in. As just a GM, he doesn't necessarily deserve to be in. As just president, he doesn't necessarily deserve to be in. But if you take everything in but aggregate, he did all those it, it's a no-brainer that he's yeah. got to be in. I mean, like, we've talked about it on this, on this podcast before. Like, like one of the low-key great things that he's done recently was, was mending the fences with Lindros. I mean, that was Holmgren. That was all Holmgren. That was Holmgren's idea. That was Holmgren, like, being the one who stuck his neck out to make the multiple calls to get Lindros on the phone, knowing how awkward it was going to be. He was the one smoothing things out. Like, this is a franchise legend. This is a no-doubt-about-it Hall of Famer who might not have even been connected with the Flyers because of what happened had Paul Holmgren not been like, we need to do this because it's the right thing to do. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, like, you need to get a guy in, 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 the, in the Franchise Hall of Fame who has even just something like that on his resume. And he just did it because he felt like it was the right thing to do. And, I mean, you know, Holmgren, obviously, as GM, it didn't the, the tenure didn't end the way he wanted. But, like, he also built some damn good teams. He did. He played for the team for a while, and he's done a lot of the little things on and off the ice with the team that that just makes him like kind of a low key franchise icon. And when he was working under Clark, he was responsible. Like he's credited with a lot of the draft picks from like Simone Gagne through Richardson Carter. Like he did a team that has never really just drafted anybody. Uh, he like he did draft some pretty damn good players in his time as assistant GM and pro scout and director of player personnel and all that shit. Like he is credited with a lot of that because it ain't like Bobby Clark was scouting any fucking juniors players. <laughs> he had no time for any of that. Uh, <laughs> So I think he's got a hell of a case. Imagine if Holmgren had talked Lindros out of retirement to come and play defense in like 2012. That would have been the ultimate. <laughs> like, oh my god! Well, it wasn't they? They weren't talking to play defense. They were. They wanted to play center, right? Yeah, that, they wanted I him to he, play his normal position. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were trying to get him to come back and just like play defense, only skate half the ice. <laughs> I, I don't think so. That's what I thought really? too. That's what I had in my I head. Thought, I but... assumed it was just center. I mean, I yeah, haven't me delved too. <laughs> too deep into that story. I assume they just wanted him to come back to be Eric Lindros again. 
that would have been even funnier if fucking like 15 years later it's like yeah he's he's playing um honestly i just want to mention voracek because i made the oh, joke Oh, because I made the joke in the outline, well, October 18th, second game of the year against Seattle, and then I was like, oh, fuck, he didn't actually go in the expansion draft. <laughs> that's, not how they, that's not how they got rid of him. Yeah, he's, he's Look, on he's the, got the numbers. He's got the yeah. numbers to get in eventually, oh, but it, it's going to take time. Yeah, I mean, his career is not over, so yeah, I just... Yeah. I just completely forgot that he wasn't the guy taken in the expansion draft, so I had to follow through with the joke because LOL, Bill. Um, yeah, Jim Jackson, Bill Clement, Keith Jones, Peter Forsberg, Chris Pronger. JJ, I think he'll get in, but but like, but like years down the road. I mean, he's far yeah. from finished his, his broadcasting career. But, I mean, look, Gene Hart's a legend. I didn't grow up with Gene Hart, so all I have from Gene Hart, Gene Hart are listening to old calls you know, on YouTube and whatever. So, like, for an entire generation of Flyers fans, Jim Jackson is the voice of the Flyers. No, I know Jim Jackson. Like, that's what I know. You know? Yeah, like, he'll, if, if he wants to spend the next 20 years calling Flyers games, I mean, there is going to be, you know, the vast majority of Flyers fans are going to think of Jim Jackson as the voice of the Flyers, and he will get in eventually. Yeah. When he, probably, like, when he retires. Mm-hmm. Forsberg and Pronger? No. No. Two. All right. Just, just not long enough. Yeah, not no. not long of a, t- of a tenure. Jonesy, no. Yeah, I don't no. think so. It, maybe if he would have stayed local, <laughs> and like I'm not giving him shit for not staying local, but like he's kind of more of a national personality at this point. Um, yeah. If he would have just been like the local guy who calls every game, you know, kind of like Dornhofer was, maybe. But, but he's he's talented, so he he's gone national and good for good for Keith Jones. But I think that cuts down his chances of being a Flyers Hall of Famer because he's certainly not going to get it by just what he did on the ice. A player. Right. This is the last one, and then we can wrap it. A player associated with the Flyers from 2011 through 2027, oh, Ilya Prisgalov. Oh God. <laughs> and uh, also, I mean, who has had a more <laughs> illustrious career? In Philadelphia, as a season ticket holder, than Ilya Prisgalov. His uh, million a, dollars a year is his Hall of Fame. And, of course, Andrew McDonald's 5,690 minutes and 40 seconds on the ice is the fourth most amongst Flyers D-men and ninth most amongst, amongst all Flyers since 2013-14. Uh, yes, to present, even since he's been gone, he's top 10 in time on ice Fuck. since 2013-14, a year in which they acquired him at the end, right? Or that might have been, the, yeah, I don't remember. How but, did we yeah. survive this? How did our show- <laughs> That is an excellent how, fucking question. How did our show begin, like, in this era, and people are like, yes, this is something I want to listen to. People listen to us, and they've only heard us during, like, really, like, the yeah. worst- period in flyers I, history you know i was i'm, I'm diverting i'm diverting go ahead. i was thinking about this the other day charlie you can go i'm just no i'm just stressed with how much i'm gonna have to do the rest of the oh, day <laughs> you're dismissed um i need like three minutes um there are so many really really great podcasts that just burnt out like i was thinking um the bobcast so Bob McKenzie, I mean, he retired, but podcasting takes a lot of work. Um, biscuits. Biscuits. I loved like biscuits. There, there were so many really good podcasts that like, there's, there's a, a, a shelf life of how long you could really do this because it's hard. Like everyone says they can podcast just like everyone can sing. Like, of course you can. Everyone can sing, but can you do it well? Can you do it consistently? And can you do it at a high enough quality that people will listen? The answer to that is no. (laughs) Just like singing. Um, We've been doing this through the worst period of Flyers history consistently for like seven years? God damn it, just win a fucking cup already. Yeah, give us give us a win. I think Bill Bill and I at least have been doing this for seven years. I, I don't remember exactly when we moved over to Broad Street Hockey, but I feel like it's been five at, at least at minimum. At least five. Yeah, we've done like two hundred some episodes, so of just yeah. us. Like this is the fact that we have 
managed to be here every single week, still be friends on top yeah, of we this. we like each other. We like each other. And we still watch Flyers games. <laughs> I, I, I think that is really underappreciated and goes unrecognized. And, and this is not like, I'm not calling anybody out. It's just like, how, how, how have we done this? <laughs> no, like I, because a lot of days I would rather die than talk about the flyers, but here we to are. To your point, like I bet if this was done, like if the flyers hall of fame was done based on social media mentions alone, like Andrew McDonald would be a top time all time <laughs> top five all time flyer. Like that's the era we've been dealing with. So brighter days ahead. But I am happy to look back on shows like this where we can talk about the Hall of Fame. It's been a lot of fun. All right, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom. Content delivered to you nonstop all the time. You'll really enjoy it. I promise. Uh, That's it. My name is Bill for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about